Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Steve Evans, don't lie in bed and, and dream it. I'm a realist. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 164 of We Are Going Up. Uh, I'm Mark Crossley in Manchester and the sounds of David Cameron Walker's favourite artist, Mr Stevie Wonder, in the background. I thought you were going to do that, (laughs) as you normally do. But um, Uh, that could only mean one thing, A, that you like Stevie Wonder, Yes, but, but B... That it's your birthday as we record this. It is indeed. It is. I, I'm spending the evening of my 30th birthday in the uh, very memorable location Broom that is cupboard. this very hot, small, sweltering studio. But I'm, I'm glad you've done that. Um, but however, just in case you, you weren't going to be ready, because you're obviously up in Manchester or in your yes. bedroom, I imagine. Well, I'm um, not. Well, I'm, in, I'm a front room, actually. Yeah, I've got the controls. So fade down, Stevie Wonder, if he's still playing. He's off. Um, he's, oh, he's off. Because I've got this lined up, so I might as well play it. Superb. I love, I love the fact you prepared your own birthday jingle. That <laughs> exactly, is fantastic yeah. preparation. That's what you tell the grandkids, isn't it, <laughs> in 30 years' time? <laughs> well, I was about to say, it's not It's not like any other, any old birthday. It's an absolutely huge birthday. I know. And we were meant to do this yesterday, and I had to delay uh, until today. And I was like, are you sure you're okay with this, mate? Your 30th birthday, spending it in a broom cupboard, talking to me up here, down the line. Uh, and yeah. you basically said, well, it's apt, if anything. And I think that pretty yeah. much sums it up. Exactly. It's a good a way as any to, to say goodbye to my 20s and say Ab- hello to absolutely. the rest of my life. <laughs> the great thing is, when you think back, I mean, I can think back to like my 18th birthday, my 21st birthday, what I was doing those days. And you'll always remember that. And for you, you're always going to remember that you were sat in that broom cupboard recording an episode of We Are Going Up. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Is the correct answer. Um, So, yeah, welcome to um, another in our sort of themed month of specials. It's probably the last one, looking at the date, with it being the 27th Mm. as we record this. Well, maybe. We might squeeze one in just before the weekend. That's optimistic. Um, So, yeah, um, this week uh, we are going to basically look at the season so far because we have been doing sort of slightly different shows over the last few months. Obviously, with the sort of gap in kind of where we're based now, it's a little bit harder to record. And also, we wanted to slightly get away from the week to week. This team have sacked their manager. This team are doing well. But... It would be remiss of us to not mention how the season's going at all because um, we're both watching plenty of football. I've been getting down to as many Berry games as I can. Not been the last couple of weeks, but before that, I was pretty much never present at the home games. You've been seeing plenty of uh, Football League action. We were at Meadow Lane the other week. Um, so the idea behind this show, DC, is basically to take an overview of the season so far. Absolutely, yeah. We're just over a quarter of the way through. and I think the time for saying it's still early days is over. We're starting to see trends. We're starting to see where teams could perhaps finish towards the end of the season. We're starting to see patterns emerge. And if you're still down there, you know, it's time to settle in and maybe brace yourself for that relegation battle. If you're flying high and you didn't expect to, maybe you can dare to dream. There you go. I like that. Dare to dream. So coming up later, we're going to be joined by a man whose voice you've probably heard on this show if you're a long-time listener. He is the font of all Football League knowledge, particularly in regards to betting. Mark O'Hare, the editor of We Love Betting, the excellent website, which you can check out right now for various Football League tips. He'll be on to talk about what he's made of League One and League Two so far this season. Um, And we're going to kick things off in just a minute with another special guest. This is a We Are Going Up special. Okay, then let's begin in the championship. I suppose it's the obvious place to start. And to help us out, DC, we've got someone uh, very special on the line. We have indeed. 
our old friend Rob from the Two Unfortunates. Rob Langham is on the line right now from the uh, Football League blog website, The Two Unfortunates. Rob, thanks very much for joining us, as ever. Great to be here, as always, Mark. Um, I guess we should start, before we get into the top of the table, with, with your own side, Reading. What have you made of Reading's sort of first few months of the season? Well, it's been quite a bemusing season, really. I think coming into the season, as my season preview on our blog indicated, I thought we were going to struggle quite badly. Uh, I didn't think the team would improve that much, but some judicious signings, including a player that uh, David will know well, Matthew Vidra, have worked quite well that came in in the window at the last minute and uh, the team is currently riding pretty high notwithstanding a very disappointing result against Fulham on Saturday and uh, Nick Blackman in particular has been a revelation Uh, 11 goals absolutely extraordinary where's that come from? well I'm not quite sure I mean to be fair he is a really really talented player and always has been but really one always thought he was too languid too disinterested uh, just someone who didn't look as if he was going to use his talent in the fullest way possible but I think Steve Clark sat down with him towards the end of last season and apparently came up with one of the motivational speeches to end all motivational speeches and uh, so far so good. It's interesting that because Steve Clark isn't necessarily a man you'd um, you'd think would be that good at um, uh, inspirational speeches um, but more characteristically uh, his Reading team are very good defensively as good as Blackman's been you've been very good at the back haven't you? Yes I mean Paul McShane in particular who is a player early on in his career I was very uncertain of I saw him play for a few opposing teams against Reading and always thought he looked a little bit short of being top class but then after years and years of experience for playing the Republic of Ireland and, and Hull and various other teams uh, apparently he's been a real leader and has been a big improvement on Alex Pearce at the back really so I think he's been fundamental to that Well Reading sitting in 7th spot at the minute just outside the playoffs um, let's look at the top of the table 13 games in 8 wins 5 draws no defeats for Brighton and Hove Albion under Chris Hewton not a side I don't think many would have had up there at the start of the uh, the campaign. I believe you've seen them live, Rob, uh, already this season. What, what do you reckon the secret is to this amazing start they've made? Well, I like Chris Hewton. I think he's, he's a really calm manager. I think he doesn't get too histrionic about poor performances. And I think last season's disappointing display, I think, has been put to one side. I think really Beran Kayal in midfield has been a real key. He came in in the January transfer window, I think, and apparently his sort of range of passing in midfield has been really spectacular. I saw them on Saturday and was actually mildly disappointed, and notwithstanding the fact that one tends to be churlish about promotion rivals, I think missing Kayal and also Dale Stevens in midfield, I think, really hurt them. And I thought they looked okay, but certainly not a sort of team that you would think would run away with it. But, you know, I think Kayal and, and Tom Ahmed, the other Israeli who's come in, I think has done quite well when he's been in the team. He's, he's suffered from injuries a little bit. I, I think, you know, it's just good management from Hewton, really. And then, of course, they have the, the back line of uh, Lewis Dunk, who's been a good player for a long time now, and uh, and Gordon Greer. And they've got a backup player, Hunemeyer, who's coming from Paderborn in Germany and, and I just think there's a solidity there and, and they get the biggest crowds in the championship or, or near enough so yeah I mean fair play to them who's saying that they're not going to run away with it it is very Chris Hewton isn't it I mean every match I've seen I saw Ben Mayhew tweet this earlier on every victory they've had this season has been by a margin of only one goal so they're doing exactly what they need to do. A couple of those recently have been uh, late winners from none other than Bobby Zamora, who, you know, it's a great story, him going back to Brighton and, and having a bit of an Indian summer in his career, like the second or third Indian summer in, in his <laughs> career, I think, that he's had. But Chris Hewton is very good at the championship level, isn't he? He struggled a little bit for various reasons in the Premier League, but obviously got Newcastle promoted, did very well under difficult circumstances with Birmingham. Last season, you couldn't really judge him on, came in, bit of firefighting, and this season's doing well again. That's right. I mean, I think he's the kind of man who, he's just such a decent man. I think he exudes authority. I think he's the kind of manager who players are, are never going to really have a problem with in terms of respect. And, and you know, I, I really like him. I think he's done well. I mean, Newcastle, he did have a considerable amount of money behind him and a team that had been kept together post-relegation. But I think, you know, you've got to give him credit so far. Let's say that Brighton, I mean, I still think it's doubtful whether they will will continue quite this level of form. But I think who's to say that, you know, given the surprises that 
the likes of Burnley and Bournemouth have served up for us in the last couple of seasons that they can't last the pace. Well, Brighton, four points clear at the top at the minute. Um, and DC, if we look at the four sides below them, you've got Middlesbrough and Derby in fourth and fifth, who were, uh, I think, the two main promotion favourites at the start of the season. And two of the relegated teams, Hull and Burnley, second and third. Do you think we're already starting to see, DC, the sort of table sort of take shape in terms of where these sides are going to finish? I think so, yeah. I mean, Hull and, Hull and Burnley, if you look at those two, first of all, two relegated sides, they've they've pretty much managed to keep disruption to a minimum since they were relegated. There hasn't been an exodus of players. There have been a couple of players here and there that have left, and they've also brought in quite cannily as well. I mean, Burnley spending a lot of money on, uh, on Andre Gray, but he's made a good start to life at Turf Moor. Steve Bruce, I think, has done well to keep it all together at Hull. I think they were he, he himself has said they were sort of a bit in the doldrums initially when they were relegated in the start of the season, but recently they've, they've found that consistency, good at the back, got some very, very good players, and they're, uh, you know, they're grinding out results just like they did over Birmingham uh, at the week. Weekend. And it's no surprise for me, I think, for they've got good managers, experience of getting out of this division and they've kept most of their squad together and, and, and added to it well. Uh, Middlesbrough and Derby, slightly different. I, mean, I suppose Middlesbrough had to deal with that disappointment from the playoffs. And again, they've they've looked to address some of the, the problems that they had last season. They didn't quite score enough goals. I've been very interested to watch uh, Diego Fabrini so far I always thought he could do well and he's, he's flourishing up at the Riverside this season and uh, and Derby as well that they not a, not a very strong start they had a lot of draws early on haven't they but they, they've they started to motor on now you, you get this sense that um, that Clement has found his feet as a, as, a, as a proper number one at Derby and really with their squad there should be no excuses and they'll be looking at those those top two spots uh, without question I mean, they're only one point off second so it's going to be if it stays the same it's going to be a really exciting race between those four I mean they've all got good squads and they've all got expectations of top two no doubt about it would you go along with that Rob? Absolutely I think those four teams are no surprise at all that they're in the mix uh, I think Middlesbrough were my favourites pre-season and, and I do like the look of them but uh, I think there's perhaps a hint of teams that have just been relegated that early first part of the season after teams are relegated they tend to be used to Premier League football and they find Championship fairly easy and then they tend to drop off in form after Christmas but I think yes all of them are absolutely the teams you would have expected to be in the mix at this stage well QPR the other relegated side are down in 10th at the minute just above their West London neighbours Fulham um, DC do you want to maybe look at maybe a couple of underachievers so far this season I, I remember you tipped Wolves to do extremely well they're down in 14th yeah I mean they're just tormenting me week by week I hadn't gone so big on them before the season saying they were going to be right up there challenging for automatic they have inevitably uh, disappointed so far this season I mean they've, they've taken a step back it looks like from, from last season where they were in the playoff picture for, for most of the season right down to the, the last few weeks um, and yeah three defeats in a row now I think and some, some bad losses at home as well and I think the, the Wolves fans are never too um, they're never too slow in getting disgruntled if things aren't going well and I think that's the case at the moment uh, up at Molyneux and it's, it's disappointing because I really thought Kenny Jackett would, would push on and, and improve from, from last season. Rob, do you want to pick out maybe an underachiever for you? Yeah, I think Wolves are certainly in there. I mean, I think you'd probably say Nottingham Forest as well, although did anybody really expect them to do that well? Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think the Wolves certainly, uh, I think, are, are probably the ones that I expected to be in the top five and it really just hasn't worked out for them. I and mean, I really like Kevin McDonald in midfield. I, I think he's one of my favourite players in the championship, but I don't know. It's just a slight sort of lack of confidence here and there. They lost Sacco, of course, in the summer to Crystal Palace. It was really fundamental to them. So I think, yeah, I would go along with DC that they're, they're probably like the main, main underachievers at this stage. I think Ipswich as well probably you could put in that category they had a very very good season last year uh, they lost Mings in the summer but they got really good money for him about £8 million from Bournemouth and they were allowed to reinvest some of that uh, they brought in Brett Pittman from Bournemouth and, and, but they haven't really gone out and, and made huge big impressive additions to that squad it's still roughly the same sort of mix of players as, as they had last season and they're, they're on a pretty bad run at the moment themselves and I think they would be another team who would have expected to have been up there at least challenging for the playoffs by this stage of the season because you know we, we are as is the general theme with this episode we are past the early days now I don't think we can call it early days anymore we're, we're over a quarter of the way into the season and it's hard to, to gain ground on some of those teams if, if that points different gets too much between between the top six 
six or the top two and where you are now. So, you know, the time for saying it will be OK is over, really. They've got to kick on all these teams. I agree. I think the key thing for Ipswich has been Daryl Murphy's drop-off in form. I think uh, last season, didn't he score about 27, mm, 28? Top scorer. Yeah, really struggled this year, like a reverse Nick Blackman, if you like. So maybe it will come good for him, like it's starting to come good for Harry Kane in the Premier League. But I think that seems to be the main factor for them. How about um, Brentford, boys? Because they um, they went big in the summer. Obviously, Warburton left. He went to Rangers. They appointed Marcus Dijkhausen. They were going down this sort of statistical model. Had a terrible start, ditched him, brought in Lee Carsley. They're doing much better now. Well, I think that's an interesting one because I think they perhaps arguably didn't stick with the manager long enough. I mean, if you're going to take this statistical route, you, you don't expect results within five seconds. And and much as it didn't seem that things were going well and the manager's style was quite abrasive, turning to Lee Carsley, who isn't someone you would associate as being representative of the kind of statistical modern style of play, just seems to be indicative of a kind of lack of direction, really, at Brentford. I mean, that said, they have pulled it around with a couple of decent results lately. So maybe if they stick to their guns and think, well, we're still going to stick with this, that it might work. But, yeah, I think they've been disappointing very much so. Yeah, well, I think they, they have, certainly in the early part of the season, that they did have some bad injuries, I think, in, in the first few months of the season. And I think their recent form, uh, I think they've won three in a row now, their recent form in the last month or so has picked up. They're moving in the right direction. It's been a good start to life for Lee Carsley taking the step up from, from the youth team. And they, they scored some good goals at the weekend away at Charlton. And they beat Wolves away as well, just before that as well. So they're certainly showing good form on the road. They, and they nearly scored two even better goals. Alan McCormack, who's been a player that has impressed me whenever I've seen him live. I remember seeing him for Swindon a few years ago. Nearly scored two absolute belters for long range. It looked like he was playing in midfield. Which is which is strange. He normally plays fullback whenever I've seen him. But um, yeah, I think they're they're moving in the right direction now. They and they they remain an interesting proposition to to look at and see how they pan out. Two sides I do want to mention uh, down near the bottom who've made managerial changes are Charlton. Maybe we'll come on to them in a second. But Leeds United, Steve Evans. I mean, it's been impossible to avoid the headlines. He is the new man in charge at Ellen Road, and I guess it's a question. Uh, really, Rob, of you know, how long he's going to last? And we're probably looking in terms of months rather than years. Well, I think so. I mean, I just read uh, some of the pages about Brian McDermott's tenure at Leeds in the Under the Volcano book by Michael Calvin that you featured on the on the podcast recently. And, and it just sounds as if it's just a complete shambles. And I don't think that's the fault of any of the managers who've been in charge. I think Cellino is obviously just completely ill-attuned to sort of English football in terms of you know, trying to stick with it and and get, you know, the best out of, like, the managers and give them a bit of time. And, I mean, Steve Evans, conversely, I mean, actually, his record, actually, is pretty good, really. But you would expect that he's done well with teams that have had less money to spend, you know, with bringing players up from non-league. I mean, the amount of players that he brought in at the start of last season at Rotherham, he almost changed the side completely. And at Leeds... Yes, I mean, it, it was. I mean, I think the 200% blog described it as a move that was beyond parody, uh, hiring Evans, and it's hard to disagree with that. So, very disappointing. I think they threw their, their sort of eggs in one basket with, like, Chris Wood really banking on him being a big success up front. And uh, it's been OK so far, but I think, you know, there's no, there's no sign at all that they're going to be challenging, which for, for a team of that size is, is you know, surely substandard and not what the supporters would be looking for. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to judge Uwe Rosler, really, because, as you say, there's been a, a string of managers there, all who've done decent at various spells with other clubs, and you can't really judge any of them, such as the just the absolute madness of the situation with Chilino in charge or, or not in charge. One minute he's there, the next minute he's being banned and all that all that carry-on. Um, so it's difficult, but you know, they've done really poorly at home this season. I think that is, if you look at purely the results, that's probably what did for Rosler. They, they still haven't won a game at Ellen Road this season. They've drawn lots of games as well. But Steve Evans, I mean, to, to, it's an understatement to say that he's an interesting character. He certainly divide, he divides opinion. But as you say, got a very good record recently. Two promotions with Rotherham, kept them up as well. And he's ready for his next challenge. And if Leeds are going to offer you the, the, the chance to become their manager, regardless of who's in charge, you, you are going to take it as a football manager. You've got to take it. He's got to be thinking to himself, maybe I can be that man that can somehow get this club back to where it should be, back to where it once was in the top division of, of English football, right towards the top end. I mean, it'd be amazing to see Steve Evans do that. But I think he, he has so much baggage with him, it's... 
it is sometimes I think too many people are too quick to lay into him, really, when they don't actually look at his record. Yes, he, he said some ridiculous things off the pitch. Yes, he's been in trouble way back um, with the law off the pitch and stuff, but that's all in the past. And I think if you just judge him on his football record of the last few years, there's not that many better than him at this level. Well, he started with a couple of draws. I think the, the funny thing about that appointment is that uh, a lot of the Leeds fans were very complimentary about Neil Redfern when he was in charge and you na- yeah. and they hated Steve Evans now you've got a situation where well, it, Steve Evans is their yeah. manager and Redfern's uh, Rotherham it can't be I mean that can't ever have happened before really can it that Rotherham and Leeds United swap managers in the in the same season <laughs> OK Charlton then um, they've sacked Guy Luzon Guy Luzon um, they're in the relegation zone and they have appointed a brand new manager Karel Frey I think uh, another another Belgian mm. um, what do we know about this one DC anything well he was there before he was there before he was one of Jose Riga's uh, assistants or maybe even one of his analysts I, I think and he's come back he doesn't have a very good record at all I think he was in charge of a of a team in the Belgian third tier recently and didn't do too well there. I, I was speaking to a, I was speaking to a, a Charlton fan this morning, and he was just completely just desolate, really, and just distraught with with what's going on. I think it's an example of what happens when the wrong sort of owner buys your club. It, it, we've seen foreign owners come in and do well at various clubs in the football league, and he shouldn't he automatically criticise them all because they're foreign and they don't understand the game. I think we've seen enough examples of success to know that it can work. But this, I think they've not judged the situation correctly. The, everything that Charlton stood for as a club doesn't seem to be there at the moment. And the fans are certainly not happy. I know we had a few guys tweet us this evening when I put out for, for comments on your season so far. And, and the comments were that the soul of the club is missing. They, they had a good thing going under Chris Powell. It didn't end very well, but certainly he was a man who the fans could get behind and, and were confident that he loved the club and he had the club's best interests at heart. And you, you can't really say that it's been the case since the uh, Duchatelet took over. He doesn't communicate with the fans and there's been a, a string of managerial changes. There's been a lot of players coming in and out and n- none of it seems to be moving in the, in the right direction. Well, Ollie says, Charlton, absolute shambles. We're a club who's lost our identity completely. Because, yeah, Rob, I mean, under Chris Powell, Charlton were, you know, ex-player as manager, you know, everything was rosy, but it just shows, you know, what changing the manager can do. Absolutely. I mean, I think they would be incredibly grateful if Chris Powell had just stayed in charge now. And and, and it doesn't mean that you're a xenophobe if you're dismissing foreign managers, but no. nothing. I've got nothing against foreign managers. It's just foreign managers who don't have a track record. And they seem to have, like, recruited a succession of those. And, and you know, they've got good young players there, people like Jordan Cousins and... And yeah, they really should be doing a lot better. So, I, I mean, it's just this extraordinary shooting oneself in one's foot, really. I think that's what's going on there. Um, DC, we often talk on this podcast about sort of upwards momentum um, and the teams that get promoted, you know, go on to have um, excellent seasons in the league above. Well, if you look at the teams in 19th, 20th and 21st in the championship, Preston, Bristol City and MK Dons, showing how, you know, perhaps the gap is grown between League One and the Championship. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and interestingly, of those three teams, I think despite them being the, the lowest placed of the three, MK Dons may well be the happiest of the three because while they're, they're, they probably would have expected to be in the relegation battle, but they're, they're not cut adrift and they have picked up the odd result here and there. And I think there's some, some signs that they could... If, if things go for them, stay up just this season. Whereas Bristol City and, and to a lesser extent Preston would have probably expected to have been higher up the table. Bristol City won that division at an absolute canter last season. They were, they were destroying teams. Um, you know, their centre-half nearly scored 20 goals, for Christ's sake. And uh, it just hasn't translated onto the, in the same way this season. They didn't strengthen the squad in the summer. They actually lost players, I think, overall. They've had to bring in some, some lone players. A um, couple from the Premier League, Nathan Baker being one of them. But I think he's just got injured. But they're not scoring goals. But Cotterill has been talking the team up, saying that we don't deserve to be in the position we're in. We're in a false position. They drew nil-nil on Monday night with Cardiff. And it's just, yeah, they don't seem to be able to score. And it's all of a sudden from a season last year where they were going to every match expecting to win comfortably. They're now, you know desperately trying to get any point they can and it it must be a bit of a shock for the players and for the fans and and for the club yes I mean I I think of those three relegated sides I mean I think the gap is suddenly becoming stark someone mentioned to me earlier on on Twitter about the possibility of Premier League 2 happening and I think suddenly almost every team in the league in the championship has over half a starting lineup 
that play international football and I think the standards are really high now and I think the teams coming up from League One are finding it really tough I saw Preston on Saturday I actually thought they played quite well away to Brighton and getting a nil-nil draw but I think the big problem for them is that they don't have a lot up front Joe Garner was suspended uh, until recently he came on hasn't scored yet missed a, missed a sitter in the first game against Middlesbrough which seems to have affected his confidence and the new signings that they brought in Stevie May and uh, Owen Doyle just haven't done it at all and, and you know if you're seven or eight games in and players still haven't scored then the confidence is just gone uh, they have a solid sort of midfield and, and defence and they've had a lot of injuries but I think uh, you know I think that has been the main problem for them. And Bristol City, I think, almost got off to a bad start. First game of the season, away to Sheffield Wednesday, all the controversy about the ticket prices. Ordinarily, they would have expected to have gone up to Hillsborough and like taken, you know, three or four thousand fans. But because of the ticket prices and a kind of semi boycott, they didn't. Lost two 0 against a team who actually we haven't mentioned yet, but I think have had a really good start yeah. to the season. Yeah. And I, I think really, you know, they have been disappointing. And, and ultimately, I think with Cotterill, I wouldn't say that I was one of the people waiting in the wind, wings expecting him to, to not do so well this year. But one doesn't really see him as the most forward-thinking manager. So, like you say, DC, I think like MK, you know, much as I hate to say it, I think, that, you know, they possibly are the team that ultimately might do the best of the three. So we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, yeah. You mentioned momentum, Mark, before, before that. And perhaps... We instead of looking at those promoted clubs for the the ones who are going to carry on the momentum, we should have looked at, at Birmingham City, who actually finished off last season in fine form. I think they won their last six games. They carried that run on at the start of this season, and they're still sitting in sixth place now. Paul Robinson, of all people, have sc- has scored didn't score any goals for eight years, and they scored two uh, two in two matches because um, he came on this show. Yeah, they've been very solid, uh, and you know they kept Demaro Gray in the summer as well. They've made some good additions, and Gary Rowett is a already a manager who get, is, is starting to be mentioned quietly when some of those Premier League jobs are, are, are coming up so uh, that will be a cause for concern for Birmingham fans but they must be delighted so far with, with their start to the season Well he's definitely a Premier League manager in the making we can't finish this conversation uh, about the Championship without mentioning one club who um, if my maths is correct eight years ago were playing away in the Allianz Arena against Bayern Munich God, in the yeah. Europa League or the UEFA Cup perhaps as it was at the time I'm not quite sure Kevin Davis scoring a late equaliser now the bottom of the championship they've won only one match all season and they've got a strike force of Emil Heskey and Shola Amiobi um, <laughs> Bolton Wanderers where did it all go wrong? Well, I mean, I mean, I know, Mark. It's hard not to detect a certain amount of joy in your voice at this. At this, but um, <laughs> I have to say, yes. I mean, we've been waiting for a long time. I think. I mean, Bolton have been symptomatic of the malaise in modern football that they're in huge, huge debt. But it's debt to the owner, so people don't take it seriously. But. Really, I mean, I, I think, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost now. I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed for Neil Lennon, who I do like as a personality, as a manager. And I think, you know, I think ultimately, with better cards dealt to him, might have been expected to have done quite well. But really, yes, I mean, it is about time that, you know, that, that sort of they got their house in order in terms of, you know, the finances. And, and you know, I'm sure people like you know, Heskey and Amiobi are actually earning more than the club can really properly afford at the moment, and despite underperforming. So, I mean, one have to say, I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams jostling for positions to be relegated this season, but I think, you know, they're definitely right in the mix on that. As are Blackburn, another team, I don't want to bring in every team in the division, but they're another one who are definitely on the downward spiral. And you know what, Mark? What? Two of those teams, Blackburn and Bolton, I predicted that they'd be in the bottom three this season. I'm going to take the rare opportunity to crow about a prediction that's uh, come a quarter of the way there and probably probably will stop there. Take your goals where you can. Uh, Rob, thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure as always. Pleasure. Uh, That's Rob Langham from the two unfortunates finishing our championship sort of look back of the last few months. And we'll move on to League One and League Two next. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, then on to League One. Let's take a look at how things are shaping up 
after 15 games. Most clubs have played 15 games. Few have played 14. And to help us do this, on the line, the editor of the fantastic We Love Betting, which you should check out if you haven't already, um, and long-term friend of the show, Mark O'Hare, joins us. Mark, thanks very much for coming on. What do you make of the um, the top of League One as it stands, Gillingham, top of the table? Are you expecting that? Um I'm not going to say uh, I was expecting it. I did expect Gillian to be sort of around the top six area. Um, I think the improvements were made at the end of last season when Justin Edinburgh came into the club. You know, I think you had to sort of stand up and take a little bit of notice. Edinburgh seems to be coming out and saying, you know, we're still massively overachieving. We're not the finished article, but form and results would, would say differently. Um, since he's come in, they've won 16, drawn 10 and lost six, which is a, a 1.81 points per game average, which, you know, if put across 46 games, would have Gillingham in, in the top six quite comfortably. So um, they've not been great away. They've built a lot of their success on, on their home form, 10 wins from 16 at, at home. You know, the form of Rory Donnelly up front, he's going to be very dangerous for, for all opposition uh, defences. You know, he's, he's got a good little partnership with players like Luke Norris. You know, Cody McDonald can't even get into the team at the moment. They've been lacking a few clean sheets and, and defensive stability, but they signed Harry Lennon, a youngster from Charlton recently, and he's sort of helped to stiffen up the defence. They've actually won four of the five games since he's come into the team. I think they're a little bit fortunate to get a point at, at home to South End on Saturday, but... Overall, the signs are incredibly encouraging, and their full value to be top of the table at the moment. Yeah, my digging out a point in in the last minute when you when you're one nil down is the sort of stuff that ends up counting and making the difference at the end of the season. And uh, what about Warsaw briefly? I mean, they've been really impressive as well. They've been a team that constantly over the last sort of well, ever since we've done the pod seems to be they overachieve and they sort of fall away at the end of the season. Never quite threatened to do what you think they might but this season maybe this will be the one where they finally do achieve something notable in the division yeah I agree I mean any team that's averaging around two points per game after after 15 games after around the first quarter has to be taken seriously at the start of the season Dean Smith said you know we, we were going to have a try and try and have a crack at that top six that was the aim and you know a lot of people including myself kind of thought well you know it's just a, a PR message but uh, they've had an excellent record against the, the top teams in League One for the last few seasons now. And, you know, you look at their records, especially, I mean, I'm, I'm quite into the, my sort of shots data. And if you look at the shots, shots on target, shots attempted and shots conceded, they, you know, they're, they're ranking in the top two for, for all those categories at the moment, which shows that they're on merit as well. I think they'll need a bit of luck with injuries and suspensions and whatnot because they've got a quite small squad. But Bristol City romped the title last year. I think they usually need 24 players. Um, a superbly run club, you know, off the pitch as well as on the pitch. And I think Smith's sort of moulding together a really kind of hard-working, efficient, effective young side there. And obviously Tom Bradshaw takes the headlines, but there's plenty of other top performers there, youngsters like Rico Henry, uh, alongside Romain Sawyers, Adam Chambers, James O'Connor, all, all deserve real good mentions there because we'll saw a I'm just, you know, in the betting that they're far too short to be considered to win the league or, or to even win promotion, but they've got to be considered a, a serious top six candidate now. Now, a few minutes ago um, on the show, DC, you were sort of, you know, getting in your prediction that's actually coming off while you could. Um, so I'm going to do the same here with Burton Albion, who not many predicted, um, certainly when we were doing our pre-season special to, you know, have a particularly good season. But they've started off superbly. They're in third, 29 points from the first 15 games. And um, DC, I think we did mention it in that first show that the the better they do, the more chance there is maybe of losing Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Yeah, maybe. They, they have actually had a, a little wobble recently. They, they got back to winning ways at the weekend, beating Port Vale 2-0. But before that, they, they were top of the league a few weeks ago and they had a couple of dodgy results, for, which has been, a, I suppose, that's a good test of character for them. They've bounced back now and, and they'll be hoping that they can kick on and go on another good run. But certainly, I, I didn't expect them to be... I expected they'd do OK, but I didn't think they'd do, they'd do as well as they have. And I think if you look at all four teams that, that, have, that have come up. You've got Burton, Berry, Southend who've, who've done very well. Shrewsbury, not as not as good, but certainly the, the three teams there in the top eight that have been promoted from, from League Two. And that, that doesn't normally happen. League Two teams that come up don't always tend to, to flourish immediately in, in, in the next level up. So that's that's quite interesting. Mark, maybe a word from you on the, the four promoted sides. Have they impressed you so far? I think the Burton the Burton story is fantastic. I mean, I, I'm holding my hands up and said when when Hasselback was appointed, I you know I, I thought you know this this isn't this isn't going to go too well, but he's he's been superb on and off the pitch. You know he's been in the town, he's been in the community, and he's he's really galvanised Burton Albion 
Um, you know, they're, they're organised superbly. I think the, the summer signing of, of centre-back Anthony O'Connor has really helped. I think they've kept clean sheets in nearly half of their matches as well. They don't score too many goals, though. I think that's the problem. And, and that sticky spell DC was talking about, saw them, they failed to score in three games and only picked up one point. But, you know, on the flip side, they don't concede many goals. So if you're not conceding goals, you've always got a chance to nick one and, and go well. I really like Barry. I like Barry at the start of the season, and I'm sure you'll probably have more to say on me, or me than Barry. But when you've got a strike force of, of Leon Clark and Tom Pope, you've always got a chance there. I think Peter Clark's also been a shrewd addition as well at the back, and you know just things off the pitch seem to be set up nicely. Training at Man City's old training ground, just just things like that. And Southend, uh, I thought they'd be okay. I didn't think they'd be anything special. Um, I think they're in a fantastic run at the moment. Something like seven wins from eight. Uh, again, I think the centre-half, Luke Pross, has come in and been a key player this season and really steadied that ship. Of course, last season they won promotion. They only had the 14th best attack in League 2, but still won promotion. And again, they're built from a solid base. And I just feel a little bit sorry for Shrewsbury at the moment because I did have high expectations and high hopes for them. But you know, that last season their, their promotion campaign has built across a, a really solid spine. I think the goalkeeper have made a, a record haul of clean sheets. And then Connor Goldson at centre-half and Ryan Woods in centre midfield have both left since then uh, and James Collins you know, the striker who we all know quite well for the lower leagues is, hasn't really hit the hit the ground running this season but I think Nicky Mellon's gone into the transfer market in the last couple of weeks got to see Gerrard in on a free transfer he's got a few weeks away from fitness to, to stiffen up that defence and this uh, online midfield striker from Crystal Palace Lee Kaikai has really made an impact in recent weeks and even in John Praise from, from Alan Pardew so there are you know, potential signs that Shrewsbury can kick on there. I certainly wouldn't have either of those or any of those four teams down in my relegation betting at the moment because I think they're all more than capable of staying up this season and pushing on towards the sort of top middle range of, of, of mid-table. DC, you going to make a comment about how well Barry doing compared to what I predicted? Well, I did think as well, like Mark, I fancied them to do okay this season. I think with the investment that's been made there, plus the off-the-pitch stuff with the training ground that we've spoken about many times, I think it all bodes well and you know, you've been, everything I've heard from you seems to be so far so good. Seventh place after 15 games, you'd certainly have taken that, wouldn't you? But just, just uh, looking at a couple of teams just, just above them before we go a bit lower down. I mean, Coventry, Wigan, Sheffield United are the teams that round off the playoff places. Coventry, I think, are the team of those three that probably people wouldn't have expected to be up there necessarily. Maybe we were guilty of forgetting about how you know good at times at this level and a bit higher up Tony Mowbray's been. You know he's got he's, he's he has got a good track record. It didn't go too well from Middlesbrough uh, towards the end, but he's had success. And you know for a League One team, there can't be too many better managers around. Adam Armstrong's done really well, but of course the big news with Coventry uh, are concerned over the last few weeks. Joe Cole. They've only gone and signed <laughs> yeah. bloody Joe Cole. And it was, a, it was a great moment because I just, by, by chance, happened to be sitting in the pub on the Friday evening when it was announced with a Coventry fan. And we were just sitting there at the bar having a pint after work. And he just went, he looked at me and went, we've signed Joe Cole. I went, what? Talking about, he went. We've bloody. He was just like looking at the screen, which was showing Sky Sports News on uh, on in the background. He's just staring at it in complete shock. We we bloody signed Joe Cole. He's joined Cov, and it was a, <laughs> it was a great moment. And I certainly wouldn't have expected to see him uh, at the Rico. Do you but... reckon? Do you reckon when Joe Cole was volleying, smashing in that volley against Sweden in the 2006 World Cup, he one day dreamed of playing for Coventry in League One nine years later? No, I don't. I don't <laughs> think he did. But it does sound like. Uh, the reports have been pretty positive for him. It sounds like he's just really keen to play football. I think Mowbray's obviously pulled a few strings and pulled in a bit of a favour there. And he's very keen just to contribute and play football because he wasn't getting a game at Villa. And a player of his talents, yeah, he's getting on a bit. He's well past his best. But for, for a League One team, uh, playing on that nice pitch at the Rico, they're a team that likes to play attractive football. He could certainly contribute. He could help out. Now, there are a whole, a whole host of teams in mid-table I'm going to sort of... Um, gloss over so apologies to any fans of those sides we um, have, can we just mention one in mid-table go Pe- on Peterborough uh, uh, oh, well okay they're yeah. ninth so yeah, I was looking below of... that actually I completely missed them out altogether but the, the only thing I want to mention um, I think we did get a tweet about them actually earlier on didn't we from, uh, from one of our regulars but it's been so far so good for Graham Wesley um, very <laughs> interestingly so it seems like Wesley they've, they've scored lots of goals and they've been more attacking and from what you'd assume thus more entertaining since he's taken over which isn't something we, we expect from Wesley but something that we do expect from Wesley and we very much have seen I looked at their matches since he took over just at how much uh, injury time 
we've had. <laughs> and I was thinking maybe the trend is, is it going to be Bucks? Maybe he's changed his ways. No, absolutely not. All of his matches so far have gone to the the the, the, the shortest so far was 94 minutes. We've had a 95 minutes. We've had two 97 minutes. And we even had one with 10 minutes of injury time. Yes. The hallowed 100 <laughs> minutes on the clock. Um, yeah, we so also uh, should mention very briefly uh, Erhan Oztuma, the Turkish Messi. Beg your pardon? Exactly. Erhan Oztuma, uh, who I, I, they probably pronounce that wrong, but he's a, a British-born, uh, but from Turkish, he's Turkish parents. Uh, and he's, he's, he's that player. Remember we went there last season and I remarked about that extremely short player that they had on the bench. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's God, him. Do remember, yeah. He's really right, small. Okay. Really small, uh, but he's playing really well, doing really well, and they, they call him the Turkish Messi uh, at London Road. I've got Can one I eye on. Um... Yeah, go on. Because um, in their 12 to 1 to win promotion at the moment, which is it's a massive price considering the way they've, they've started under Wesley. And, you know, Wesley gets a lot of grief. Um, and quite often it, it's, it's merited, but I'm a big fan of his, and, uh, you know, he's, he's more kind of accustomed to percentage football, physical, long ball, direct style. and He's a real student of the game. He's quite an interesting character, and I think he's 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 needed in the football league. We love characters like him, and I think he came out and wrote that open letter to supporters, suggesting he was sort of keen to acclimatise to their requirements of fast, free-flowing, attacking football. Set these bizarre targets of uh, I think it was 600 passes per game, leading to 25 attempts at goal. But you know, early indications, CC looked at the stoppage time. I've been looking at these sort of shot stats. They've had 40 efforts on target scored 18 goals in the seven games so far. Um, reports from Saturday suggested they were absolutely breathtaking and Wesley said uh, they should and could have scored 10 goals against Doncaster. They're now the league's top goal scorers um, and in the past nine League One seasons, the side with the best attacks finished in the top four. Uh, on six occasions, they've actually won automatic promotion. So I think they're eight points adrift at the moment, but 12 to 1, if they carry on if they carry on playing this way, you know, oh, I'm seriously looking at Peterborough to... to push towards that, that sort of top two, top three area. I think it's well within their range. Well, in Ben Mayhew's brilliant um, stats that he's done on experimental361.com, um, yeah, just backing up what you were saying there, just over 28 efforts um, on goal per match in a, in every Peterborough match so far this season. Um, and of course, that's the sort of style of football that their fans desperately wanted after what they were um, having to watch last season. Okay, let's go down towards the bottom. Uh, Mark, it's very rarely that there's a team in a worse sort of state than Blackpool. Um, but you kind of feel Swindon are in that state at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually backed Swindon for relegation at the start of the season. I didn't expect it to be going like this at all because uh, if you look at the team that started the playoff final uh, to the one that would have played at the weekend or the weekend coming, it's unrecognisable. They've lost so many key players through the summer. Um, the ones who did stay to, or stay have moved on. Nathan Burnus, I think he's got a hat-trick on the opening day of the season or around that mark as well. That playoff team has long gone, and uh, I'm a stickler for sort of having a team on side which is stable, um, you know, off the pitch and as well as on the pitch, you know, it's going in the right direction. And I looked at that Swindon side, and I thought you cannot rip a team up um, and expect them to go and do something similar again this season. And Chairman Lee Powers now taken over. You know, uh, he doesn't even live in England from my from my read, but he's obviously got former. He's got a bit of a football background himself. And you look at the words that come out of the teams players and power himself since managers his name escapes me now <laughs> Mark Cooper <laughs> Mark Cooper that's the one um, but Yasser Kassim came out and said you know we lost our way uh, he wants to get back to playing the way he loves you know passing good attractive football power as well wasn't exactly complimentary um, in his post-match dealings with the press at the weekend about how, how things had gone I think they, they lacked um, kind of a real kind of identity in the summer. You know, they went out, they wanted to sign these young, technically good players on loan, but there was no real battle or sort of physicality there. And they've often, quite often been overpowered as well. So uh, I feel for Swindon fans, but I think, you know, it was unrealistic to expect them to go and you know, finish in the, in the top two or the top six again this season after what's happened in, since May. I heard Lee Power interviewed the day after he announced that he would be assuming temporary charge of, of the team. And one of the comments he made was that, we wanted. I wanted to get us back to to playing the Swindon way, <laughs> and, uh, and I don't exactly know what the Swindon way is. There's all there's loads of talk about the West Ham way, isn't there? When Big Sam left, but I think the, <laughs> the Swindon way uh, is is even less of a thing 
than the West Ham way. Um, but they have played good football, to be fair, to them last season, and perhaps it hasn't transpired this season. But um, it, it, the well, betting... maybe, maybe this maybe the Swindon way is terrible football and struggling against relegation. Well, maybe it is. But interesting to see how it pans out with with a, a, a permanent manager coming in. I think Martin Ling is odds on with some, in some places to, to to take over, which would be an interesting return to management for him if he did take it. Obviously, we've read a lot about him recently in Mike Calvin's book, a man with an interesting story and probably deserves a chance at a job somewhere in the Football League again to show what he can do. But one to keep your eye on maybe is that Lee Power is, uh, and has gone on the record and talked about it before, good friends with Tim Sherwood, who obviously now finds himself out of work. Maybe he'd fancy the challenge of dropping down to League One and proving to all of us that he really is as good as he he says he is. Well, what's that that sort of loan setup between Swindon and Spurs? Was that when Sherwood was was in charge of Spurs? Yeah, he was there at Tottenham and the youth set up, yeah. There you go. Maybe that is one to keep an eye on. Um, A few other managerial um, sort of changes just to mention before we wrap up League One. Um, Stephen Presley, of course, left Coventry uh, last season, has gone in to take over at Fleetwood. I thought Graham Alexander was really harshly sacked actually I actually saw Fleetwood play against us earlier in the season and they beat us 4-3 and I thought they were excellent um, that, was our first, that was our only defeat until the last couple of weeks um, also um, Darren Ferguson has taken over at Doncaster mm-hmm. another team I expected to be a lot better yeah, a lot higher up than really they are really struggling and David Dunn has taken over as the Oldham manager and I tell you what, Oldham are living up to their reputation of, you know, you think of Oldham kind of not really moving anywhere. They've been in the same division, I think, since like 1999. Mm. Um, I think David Dunn has been in charge, I think, eight games. I think they've drawn six of them or something. They just draw, yeah. draw, draw. They're sitting in 18th place above the relegation zone where they finish every season. Um, Mark, maybe do you want to just to wrap up, give us a little sort of look at the bottom of the table? Is is that sort of uh, how it is now, how you see it panning out? Uh, no, no, I think there's, there's plenty of change. I mean, there's uh, Barnsley are a team I expected to go a lot better than they mm. have done. Yeah, me um, too. I think Colchester have been a fantastic team to, to be involved in from a betting perspective this season because they're sort of up and down, up and down. And they scored at least twice in 10 of their 15 games and conceded at least twice in nine of them. Um, yeah, Doncaster are expected to be doing a lot better. And, uh, you know, you look at the spine of that side and they've got plenty of quality there to, to go places, but it doesn't seem to be happening for them right now. But just on the, on the bottom the bottom two or I think Blackpool are actually out of the bottom four now but Neil mm. McDonald's kept clean sheets in four of his last five now Emerson Boyce is, is there sort of marshalling that defence and there, there seems to be a, back, a pride back in the team you know they're working hard for each other there's plenty of energy uh, and work rate in the team and they've actually got some decent players if you look at the team you know, Brad Potts has been doing great things I think Carlisle David Norris has signed recently a real solid experienced campaigner and Mark Cullen and Jack Redshaw, of course, who've been playing very well in League Two. Um, I think they've picked up 15 points from nine games now, and that's playoff form. So I think they're still something like five to four, or even odds on for, for relegation at the moment, which is which is pretty harsh. Um, and just one other, just one random one, just a, a betting thing for me. I just I, I just love huge prices in, in the football league because anything can happen. And I know this is going to sound bonkers, but crew bottom of the table, of course. Which, Ten points, and I think only four points from safety. But the eighty to one to finish in the top half, and that's just a bonkers price of the football <laughs> league because they've they've collected eight points from seven. Okay, it's not it's not great, but they're very slow starters. Every year they start really slowly. In those games, they've actually played Walsall, Burton, and Gilliam, of course, at the top four. Um, you know, they've actually started getting players back from injury. Youngsters, John Guthrie's got a good little partnership now with. With Ben Nugent at centre half, Ryan Colclough, of course, is committed to the club again, and they're not actually getting hammered in matches as well. If they can start pulling a little run together, you know, they're a ridiculously short price. I think one to six for relegation, which is just too harsh when you're only four points adrift and what is it, 30 games to play, but. 80 to 1 for the top half if he sent a little quid I was going to say well you've, you know, I, I had them in my um, tips for relegation but after hearing all that I'm putting a couple of quid on straight after this you heard it here first crew are going to finish be, uh, I'll be in the top leaving, leaving my birthday money firmly in the, uh, in the envelope <laughs> <laughs> alright yeah, let's leave League 1 there uh, more on League 2 after this this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered
Right then, on to League Two. Uh, Mark O'Hare from Wheel of Betting is still on the line. Uh, Mark, the top three at this stage in League Two this season, Plymouth Argyle, who we saw at Notts County on the last episode of this podcast, uh, Portsmouth in second under Paul Cook, and Oxford in third. Plymouth, Pompey and Oxford, is that a top three you would have expected um, at this stage? Uh, Portsmouth, obviously, we, we, I think we all... It has to happen sooner or later for Portsmouth, and this looked the, the most likely with, with Paul Cook there. Plymouth are the one that have surprised me for no particular reason, but it's just you know ignorance on my part. I didn't know too much about Derek Adams and, and what he did up, up in Scotland, and you know I looked at previous uh, losing finalists of playoffs, uh, and they don't have a great record in League Two or any football league division actually for that matter. And, to see them four points clear at this stage of the season has surprised me from what I've seen and, and heard and, and watched. Um, they have had a bit of luck on their side. You know, there aren't thrashing sides and there's plenty of, sort of one-goal margin wins and uh, their woodwork's been hit quite a few times too. Luke McCormack, the goalkeeper, has been quite a key performer. But I also thought, you know, coming into the season, it's such a, a sea change from, from John Sheridan's, you know, he's quite a defensive-minded manager, very cautious, 21 clean sheets last season to Adams, who was a very attack-minded boss. So I just wondered how that would work out, but it seems to be working for them really well at the moment. Ruben Reed's actually started getting his act together again, and you know he's supported by a, a cast of Carey, Tanner, and, and Wild, and things go, seem to be going pretty, pretty well for them. Um, you know, there's not too much I can actually add to Portsmouth that we don't already know because Cook's pedigree strong, and, and the Chesterfield team that he. he he won the league or, or got promoted with in 2013-14, scored more goals than any other, but also boasted the second-best defence. Um, recently, they're having a problems seeing off sort of lesser ties at Fratton Park uh, and actually improving on their away record, whereas last year I think they only won three away games. So, I've got uh, something I can add on Portsmouth. Yeah. Uh, as you as you say, they've had a very good start and they have struggled a little bit in front of goal recently, but very good defence. But uh, I was reading a piece, I think it was in the Daily Mirror recently, with uh, with Paul Cook, with the manager, and the journalist went down to the to the training ground, spent a day with him, and was seeing how he was getting on down there. And you know, one of the things that he's that he's done since he took over at Portsmouth is that. Every single, as soon as the players arrive at the training ground, I don't, know, I don't know if this was just pre-season or if it's still going on now, but as soon as the players arrive at the training ground, they're given a ball. They each have their own ball. And for the entirety of their time at the training ground, whether they're in the changing rooms, in the, in the kitchen, in like the, the lounge, in the manager's office, outside, they have to be dribbling the football everywhere they go just to get them familiar with constantly being in possession of a football. Did you say the kitchen then? Yeah, yeah. In, like, he called one of the players into his office. He saw this. The, the, the guy was being interviewed. He was interviewing Paul Cook in the office and Paul Cook looked out the window and saw a player walking with, with his ball in his hands. He, he was carrying the ball. He said, oi, get in here with the ball on your feet and he, he had to dribble he had to dribble the ball into the manager's office round the table and back out again <laughs> I've got visions of, um, of Portsmouth players dribbling round the dinner ladies in the office and yeah. stuff oh, yeah, that's exactly what happens it's amazing ridiculous okay uh, the playoff teams at this minute are um, Accrington Stanley having a great season uh, inspired Orient, by um, Josh Windass no less y- yes Orient in sixth Mansfield what are they doing up there? Mm. They're in fifth. And uh, Northampton Town, who've got all kinds of issues off the field, mm. but they're More having a good that, season on the a, field. Another episode soon, actually. They've got big Ooh. problems off the pitch. But yeah, we're going to... Um, I've been speaking to uh, Ben Trasler, our, uh, okay. our resident Northampton fan, and he's very worried, as are a lot of Northampton yeah. fans at the moment. So I think that deserves a, a more of an in-depth... Uh, study. I've seen some of his tweets recently. Yeah, he's certainly worried. Um, this is a message from Matt. Goals, goals and more goals sums up our season. He's a Morecambe fan there sitting in eighth at the minute. Um, also, Adam Brown, the Oxford fan, says style of football just unbelievable at times. Lapses of concentration, though, is a slight worry. Um, there's been a managerial change today or yesterday down at the bottom. Russ Wilcox has left York City. Um, and also Terry Butch has already left Newport so far this season York and Newport in the bottom uh, four the two teams in the relegation spots at the minute are two sides that were probably expected to struggle Dagenham and Redbridge and Yeovil who I think might be going um, DC for an unprecedented triple drop yeah the opposite of the triple bounce absolutely and, and I think you predicted that didn't you I did predict that so far and they're, they're, it's, it's coming true uh, so far not been good for them at all. Dagenham have struggled, haven't they, over the last few years, but they always seem to manage to pull out results towards the end of the season and just do what they need to do to stay up. And, you know, I think 
you could you could even I mean they've done so well with just to remain at, at this level. Let alone if you forget that they were at, actually at League One. I mean, in mid table in League One at at one point a few years ago. So they've fallen a little bit, but they they really are a very very small club. They don't get many fans. So if they can stay up again, it will be a great achievement for them. But um, yeah, Newport have already improved since they've got rid of <laughs> Terry Butcher. They've won two games and I think John Sheridan is a, a significant upgrade on Butcher. He had a really good season at Plymouth before deciding he wanted to leave and he's swapped uh, he swapped, uh, South Devon for... Uh, South Wales Excellent um, Is that Mark, right actually? Uh, well I'm not sure I think that's we'll completely that Geographically wrong isn't it? Um, Mark Is it South is Newport Devon? in South Wales? Is yeah Newport, Newport South is Devon. Devon. I was just stretching there Newport is definitely In South Wales I don't know about Devon We'll look that up I mean, we, we ask Devon. Mark Devon is yeah Okay Well we asked Mark To talk about um, the bottom um, Thoughts on the bottom Of League 2 Mark? Yeah I mean It's not particularly um, Surprising I think If you look at those sort of Bottom 8, eight 9 cluster of clubs. Um, Crawley are the one who are interesting to me. I thought they would really, really struggle. Um, probably didn't give Mark Yates enough credit at the start of the season, but he did start the season without a goalkeeper or fit available fullbacks. So what he has done is he's filled out the squad at Crawley and slowly but surely they've come on. And I think Matt Harrell's been sort of eulogised by Crawley Town fans and Yates himself as, as a sort of the pivotal man, but they think they lost four games on the trot, but then they've won four and five. Rhys Murphy just I think is, a, is too good for League Two is is at Crawley now and Guion Edwards is is obviously capable of playing at a higher level too so I think they're up in seventeenth now and they could they could and, and should continue to rise but I think more or less if you look at that sort of bottom eight it's not hugely surprising to see those teams down there um, I'd be interested to see how York get on now or whoever comes into York because they just seem to be perennial uh, draw specialists and uh, you know it's, it's just getting a bit dull now seeing seeing York hovering around that sort of bottom six and drawing too many games but yeah I can't really see too much hope for the rest of the clubs down there um, Notts County and Luton of course and Cambridge even if you went further up the table would probably be expecting to be doing a, a, an awful lot better yeah Cambridge in particular they were quite well fancied at the start of the season weren't they yeah spent a lot of money um, and uh, you know, Barry Core sort of rejected playing in League One to come down to Cambridge and he has been scoring the goals for them and doing the pressure but Richard Murray's under pressure there because uh, the chief executive did say, you know, we've got to challenge for promotion this season. They've invested a lot of that FA Cup money into the team and they've just found no consistency whatsoever. I think they're winning, the longest winning run is one this year and last year it was two. So um, it's just not good enough, really. Tells its own story. Yeah, your mate Mad Dog's not doing amazingly, DC, is he with Barnet? You thought they might be slightly higher? Well, I mean, I thought they might be slightly higher, but I think maybe perhaps as far as Barnet are concerned maybe Mad Dog himself they're not doing too bad they're 18th at the moment they're you know they are what eight points clear of the bottom two and I think it's, it is probably realistically for them all about staying up and so far so good John Akindi my tip for top goal scorer my outside bet he is starting to score goals I think he's scored six now so he's not too bad excellent uh, I think that wraps up League Two unless either of you two have got anything else to add in which case, I'm, I guess that's a no. Um, thanks very much to uh, Mark O'Hare from <laughs> Wheel of Betting. Uh, Mark, give a reminder of the, uh, the the site again for people to check it out. Yeah, it's just uh, wheelofbetting.co.uk. Um, we've got football league previews uh, over the weekend as well as anytime goal scorers from Gavin Horsfall. I think he's been on the show before as well. Uh, and plenty more too, so check it out. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. So a big thank you to Rob Langham and Mark O'Hare as ever for their uh, thoughts uh, as we are, what, 13, 14, 15 games delete uh, as appropriate into the brand new Football League season. Now, you've got to be in the cinema, DC, I believe, in about 22 minutes. Um, Correct. Which isn't, yeah. isn't good news Let's as we record some long this. trailers. Absolutely. Um, so but you've got a point about Sheffield Wednesday you wanted to well, make very quickly, apparently. No, it's, not, it's not a very insightful point. Oh, right. Don't be I expecting anything, anything great or great analysis from me. But we did mention them earlier on, and I think they have had a good start to the season. They've bought well. They've got an interesting coach, Carlos Carvajal, who we, we spoke to David Guerrero about uh, just before the start of the season, didn't we? And we did. He's done an interview with uh, Jonathan Liu of the Daily Telegraph. Um, in the last couple of days. And I was reading that online and, and um, let's forget about all the stuff about his tactical periodization and his, and his influence uh, from Jose Mourinho. The most interesting thing to me in that video, uh, in, that, in that interview, was a video uh, of the Sheffield Wednesday fans singing a song about Carlos. So I'll play you a bit now because I, I thought it Go was on. good. 
Hey, sorted food again. <laughs> that that was very much an advert from YouTube. <laughs> I was going to say that was the food guys start. on YouTube. Okay. Oh, excellent. Well, nice, nice for them Don't to get a mention. That. You can keep that in, aren't you? Okay. Here's the song. Okay. <laughs> You'll recognise the uh, the tune. I can't remember the words. I'm going to try and remember them. Had a dream to build a football team. We had no players, so we had to get them on loan. We play from the back with a shout in attack. We're Shuffle Wednesday. We're on our way back. Which I thought was good. I liked it. It's a it's a new it's a new take on what is becoming very fast becoming a very tired football song. It's uh, Beach Boys, isn't it? It's yeah. a, a new version of the Beach Boys for 2015. There we go. Okay, you can get rid of it. You can get rid of it. No. It's gone. Unless you want to play in the food, the food brothers or whatever that was called again. <laughs> no. Right, um, that's pretty much it for this week's show. Uh, very strange couple of hours we've had here. Um, you can get in touch with us if you go via the website. We are going up as ever. You can tweet at Wagyu Podcast if you've just found us. You can um, listen on the Acast app, by the way. Uh, which you should all go and download. Um, they very kindly host us. And if you go to podcast-survey.com, I believe, you can win, win yourself some Amazon vouchers. And as ever, you can get a free audiobook at audible.co.uk slash going up. Uh, take advantage of that offer there. Right, I think that is pretty much it because I know you're in a race against time. What are you going to see? Uh, not James Bond. I was going to say. That's what everyone's going that's to what, see. That was my first choice, but I'm afraid it's been vetoed. Um, I'm going to see Crimson Peak. Okay. I've never heard of it. Some sort of haunted house film featuring Tom Hiddleston and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Commode and Mayo, watch out. And that's pretty much it. And I, I'll see you at the weekend for your big birthday bash. Yes, absolutely. I was, I was yeah, gonna looking say, forward to coming back I to the big smoke. I certainly am. I was going to say, if you think that DC has given up... You're some having a nice time up there in Manchester, aren't you? I am. You've not, you've not mentioned... Th- there's a reason why we're, I'm, <laughs> I'm now struggling to, to make my very important dates, because you've been hobnobbing it with the, the rich and famous, the Premier League elite. You've I've, abandoned your roots. I haven't abandoned my roots. I was, I was at the Manchester City press conference with Manuel Pellegrini ahead of their game against Crystal yeah. Palace tomorrow. How is he? Uh, boring, pretty much as ever. <laughs> yeah. Same as ever. But yeah, so Manuel is the reason that I was back late to record this and the reason you're now going to miss the start of this film and then blame me because it's your 30th birthday. That's it. Thanks for listening. And we'll speak to you next time on We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.